This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's it's time to talk that talk, and we talk it like no one else. This is the stinking truth. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome to the Stinking Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside my partner, Mike Evans. And uh, week, uh, what is this, week 16? Week 16, we're about to kick that thing off Thursday night. It starts up. Uh, Michael, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great yeah. in New York City still. Got another couple of days here in New York before I take off. Uh, head to Atlanta to uh, call the uh, the Colts versus the Falcons game. Well, we'll get to that game here in a little bit, but we got some really, really juicy matchups. And I know at this point of the season I'm, I'm supposed to probably throw in the obligatory could this be a potential Super Bowl preview San Francisco and Baltimore well I do think I mean I do think obviously these are two best teams in the National Football League um, you know I think there's a, there's a couple of AFC teams that that you would look at and say well they've got you know their their Kansas City is right there the, the Miami Dolphins are they you know but but I think Baltimore has has moved themselves up kind of a notch. And so I think it's San Fran, and then I think it's in the AFC Baltimore. It'll be a really interesting matchup. One of the things that's that's really interesting to me um, in regards to the 49ers is that when you're defending Lamar, and this was what makes Lamar, you know, it's funny because I've heard people, you know, talk to me about MVP and Brock Purdy versus Lamar Jackson and, and, you know, I've heard a lot of people that are like, oh, well, M- Lamar Jackson can't be the MVP. His statistics aren't good enough. They're just not, you know, like, he, like statistically, he's nowhere close to, you know, to Brock Purdy or to Dak before Dak had that slip up um, last week against the Buffalo Bills. And so, you know, statistically, there's no way you could, you could put them in the same category. And that's where I would tell you that analytics is bullshit and <laughs> quit looking at it. God, you hate because, analytics. Well, I mean, I just think statistically, you would look at things statistically and you would say, well, you know, this this is not, you know, he, he doesn't match up statistically. You got to use your eyeballs, right? I mean, he's lost a couple of running backs. He's lost his all-star tight end. And yet he continues to make plays that set him apart. He continues to do things athletically that other people can't do. So it's not only his ability to run, but his ability to hold on to the football and make people miss while he's in the pocket for six, seven seconds and find a receiver downfield and deliver an absolute dime to that receiver. Like those things matter. Those things are what 
set the Baltimore Ravens apart. You can defend them perfectly. You can have the perfect defense called and everybody can play the perfect leverage and you can take the receivers out and you can take the running backs out and you can do all those things. And Lamar can scramble around, make four guys miss, hold on to the ball for eight seconds, find somebody down the football field and deliver a ball for a touchdown. Now, what are the, oh, I'm, sorry, that, I, I'm just saying, is, is that in and of itself, is that the definition of most valuable player? So forget about, oh, well, he doesn't have as many touchdown passes or too many, whatever. It just is, it's just, to me, you've got to at some point take some of the analytics out. I'm not saying take it all out, but at some point look at what he means to his football team. And so it could be, you know, it could be a matchup of, you know, it could be a matchup of the the two front runners or three front runners of the MVP conversation. Put Christian McCaffrey in there, and we are such you know we are such prisoners of the moment. Whoever plays the best in this particular game probably elevates themselves in the standings in the voting of MVP conversation. Now, when it comes to Lamar, one thing that you have criticized him for over the years is just his ability as a passer, just as a operate from the pocket, dominate from the pocket, passer. Have you seen strides? Have you seen improvements in that part of his game? Yeah, I have. I mean, I haven't, like, again, I haven't done one of his games, so I haven't dug into the tape like I would dig into the tape if I was calling one of his games. Um, And one of the, you know, one of the issues that I would always talk about was, listen, the way they run the football and – the, the way they're constructed, they're getting a lot of one-on-one looks and he's delivering the football with those one-on-one looks. And like, you're not, you're not playing necessarily against as much zone or as much coverage stuff that you would get uh, if you played a more traditional style of offense. I think they've morphed, they still run the ball exceptionally well, but I think they've morphed more into more of a traditional style and when you watch him, like just the release, his, the quickness of the release, um, some of the layered routes, some of the, you, you know, there's no question that he has advanced and he's grown in that offense. So, um, again, I haven't, like, I haven't dug into a ton of, like, let me go hardcore into the tape and see, you know, what coverages they're getting and how he's throwing against, you know, against four versus two versus invert two versus – I, you know, I haven't, I haven't gone that deep, but what I have seen and I've seen a lot. Um, yeah, I would say that definitely he has grown as a passer. Should be a good one. San Francisco and Baltimore, the Dallas Miami game to me is, is fascinating because you and I have had this conversation on the stinking truth podcast that I believe that Miami and Dallas, they're mirror images of each other in the NFC and AFC. They're the same exact team. They look awesome. They're dominant at home, but there's something about them that you just can't completely trust. Yeah. And now we got these two teams squaring off against each other. Have you got a chance, by the way, to watch any of the uh, hard knock stuff? Some of it, yep. So Mike McDaniels comes out after they lose that game um, to the Tennessee Titans, mm-hmm. stands in front of the team meeting, and basically like, takes – like the, the slings and arrows. Like, he's just like, hey, man, y- you know, I'm the one. I, I call a horrible play here. We got zero, and I called this play. And 
like I'm taking responsibility for, you know, my screw up as a coach and I didn't put you guys in the best positions and, and all that. And, you know, we all have to be better. And, and, but man, I, I love, I love it when a coach will accept that responsibility and say, man, I've got to be better for you guys. I love that aspect of it. Now, you know, we'll see if it translates to them being better on the road because you can't lose a game against Tennessee, regardless if your coach calls a couple of bad plays or not. You got to be better than that, right? You've got to be able to do those things on the road. These are two teams that on the road, they don't even, I mean, they don't even look close to, to what they are at home. Dallas, especially like if I'm going to weigh this thing out for me, like Dallas is going to have to go on the road in the playoffs. Dallas has got to prove to somebody that they can go on the road. They went on the road to San Francisco, got absolutely shellacked. They went on the road, uh, you know, to Buffalo, got shellacked. They, like, they have got to prove that they can go on the road, and maybe not even to me or to you or to anybody out there, maybe to themselves. They've got to go out there on the road and prove to themselves um, or, or prove to themselves that, that, that they can compete while they're on the road. So, listen, Miami playing at home, Miami dynamic on the offensive side of the ball, all those different things. I think for me is a far more prove it nature of this game goes to the Dallas Cowboys right. than it does to the uh, Miami Dolphins. I don't know what you think, but that's kind of where I'm at. Well, yeah, I would think certainly Dallas because Miami's at home. Miami's already proven that they can be dominant at home for the most part. Miami will have other games to to show that they can get past the the perception that they're weak minded mm-hmm. and they can't perform on the road. I want to go back to what you're just saying there about Mike McDaniel. I get it. It's cool that a coach is willing to fall on the sword and, and all that, but at what point do the players have to be held accountable? Come I mean, I mean, let's be honest. They the players carry most of the blame for losing that game. McDaniel's trying to do the right thing and all that. But right. How do you make sure that the coach can get up there in front of the team and say, "Hey, my bad, my bad. I should have done this. I should have done that." But yet also making sure that the players understand right. you you screwed up here in many many ways. Yeah, well, I think I think he does the same thing. I think he takes responsibility, but then he also shows the film of, man, this is a play that's got to be made. This is a play like, you know, you're trying to you're trying to do more than your job, and these are the things that you know eventually cost you football games. So I think you hold all those guys accountable. But you know, I, I will just tell you from my own experience. Um, with Joe Gibbs, Joe Gibbs mm-hmm. would always stand in front of the podium right after a game and be like, Hey man, this loss is hundred percent on me. You know, I didn't get my coaches prepared. My coaches didn't get my players prepared. Um, you know, that's a failure of coaching, but we'll rectify that. And then, you know, come Monday when we sat down and watched the film, um, he had already taken his responsibility for that. Now let's go look at what we didn't do well. Mm-hmm. Let's go look at what we need to clean up. And he was good about saying, hey, man, you know, ultimately in this situation, I should call something different or I should go in a different direction. Um, but then, you know, you were always held accountable for the way you played and always held accountable for, you know, what went on on Sunday during the game. Philadelphia and the Giants. So what's going on with Philly, especially after the loss to Seattle in which Jalen Hurts comes out and says, we weren't committed enough. Yeah, Yikes. that's now yeah. you can. I mean, where does that rank on the we choked, we quit? Right. <laughs> where does yeah. we're not committed we're enough not come committed. in on the uh totem pole? I'm not sure what I'm not. I mean, obviously, it's it, you know, that word is 
there's ambiguity in that word. Like you can parse it a bunch of different ways. What does that mean? Like, did we not study enough? Did we not, you know, do we not, are we not calling the right plays to put us in a position? Are we not running the ball enough? Like what, what exactly do you mean by we're not committed enough? Um, because on its surface, it does sound harsh. And, you know, and I, I, I feel like he thinks it's harsh. You know, I, I feel like he's, he's, you know, pointing the finger at everybody, including himself saying, we've got to all be better. Um, and is that one of those things that you all respond to? You all look at uh, everyone on the team looks at themselves critically and says, you know what? He's right. We're not doing this enough. Did the coaches actually look at themselves and say, you know what? We got to be better. We've got to be better than, than we've been. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what that means, but I will tell you this. Like, I think this is by design. So if I was to say, hey, here's Philly in a nutshell. Like, if you look at them defensively in every kind of discernible category, just about, I think they're all like ranked, hey, 27th, 26th, you know, yeah. 25th, 28th, whatever it is. And, and you know, um, no excuses, but there, there's always some reasons for those things. But I think one of the biggest things about Philly is you have not run the ball well. Why have you not run the ball well? Because you've got one of the biggest, most dominant, most athletic offensive lines in football. I think you have not run the ball well because you have taken what you do as an offense and morphed into more of a drop back offensive football team. Now, with that said, Jalen Hurts is ranked, I think, third in completion percentage from the pocket. Mm-hmm. So he's done it. He's, he's you know, that was the big criticism before last year is, can he win from the pocket? Well, he's proven that he can. Um, I think he's been banged up. I think he's had a need that's bothered him most of the season. So I understand the kind of thought process of saying, we're going to morph into more of a drop back offense because the sustainability of the offense that we run where the quarterback has to run so much, um, you know, that's not sustainable and we're going to end up getting guys injured. We're going to get up getting our franchise quarterback who we just spent a ton of money on injured. Okay. So I understand the kind of mental thought process to get yourself to this point, but don't at some point you go back and say, we got to get back to what we were and what got us to a world championship last year, albeit a loss. And that means what? That means more quarterback design runs, more of the, you know, the RPO stuff and the, uh, and the uh, read zone, you know, where you flag that defensive end and you either pull the ball and run around or you hand it to the, to the running back. Like, don't we have to get back to doing more of that? And then I would ask you this, if you got back to doing more of that and you got, you know, you got to the point where you controlled the tempo and you controlled the time of possession a little bit better. And the other, the other team started having to take more chances on the offensive side of the ball. Would that increase your statistic, you know, rankings on defense? Would you get to the quarterback more? Would you be able to, uh, you know, uh, create more sacks? Would you be able to create more turnovers based upon pressures and getting to the ball and sacking the quarterback? And all those things. So I, I would tell you that I think that that's 
a big part of what's going on defensively for them. Now they've already changed from Sean Desai to Matt Patricia. You know, he's got the pencil behind his ear, um, but it really didn't make any difference. You know, that pencil, which is shocking that it didn't make any difference. So at some point, isn't it the complimentary nature of football? Don't you have to start going and doing what you did last year offensively to take some of that pressure off and to help them create some of those turnovers and create some of those situations where the other offense has to be more aggressive. Like, I think that's more of the cure for um, the Eagles than, than anything else. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, they get the Giants at home, and and, and you better win this game. Otherwise, there's going to be real panic uh, yeah. with the Eagle fans as uh, we, we come down the stretch here. But a couple games still left with the Giants, so they have a chance to get right and get things back on uh, schedule for the, for the playoffs. Uh, Aaron Rodgers coming out and saying, I'm likely not going to be back this year. And it's part of uh, the issue is that I, I probably wouldn't get medically cleared anyway. What, what's going on here? Because, you know, for so long, we we're kind of being led, being dragged along with the idea that he'd be able to come back this season. Now he's telling us that it was never really an option. The, the skeptic in me, the cynic in me, Stink, says this is somebody who just uh, loves the attention, loves putting himself front and center, and was able to milk it for all it's worth. And now that we're actually getting down to the time where he was expected to play, hey, there was never really a chance that I was going to play. Really? That's well, I think we were all under the impression you were. Yeah, I think that maybe he was potentially using that as his own motivation to continue to train and to try to, you know, to make this miraculous comeback and wanted to, you know, beat the odds. And, you know, and there's there's that, you know, anti vaccination, anti immunization, or I am immunized, but not that's whatever it is. I, and like, there is that, that snarkiness toward the media and toward the, uh, you know, the powers that be, if you will. Uh, my, my first thought about this, and I've been saying he'll, he's not coming back this you year are, yeah. from, from day one. Um, part of it would be, that would be egregious management. Now we kind of expect egregious management from the jets. Maybe I'm just stating the obvious, <laughs> but if the jets allowed him to come back, based upon the money they owe him and based upon the debacle that this year was, if they allowed him to come back and play at the end of the season, everybody on the jets, including the owners should be fired that they should automatically relinquish their control of the New York jets and they should be sold on the open market. If you allow him to come back. So I just don't think anybody's that stupid. And I don't think that Rogers really was ever going to be cleared 
um, by the Jets or the Jets doctors. Like, if the Jets doctors were to clear you and, and you got hurt again, well, that would be – I mean, that would be medical malpractice. It, like, there's just no way uh, anybody's going to allow that to happen. So, yeah, this whole thing was – uh, a farce, but we all kind of followed it, right? We all said, well, yep. could it happen? And then you saw him walking without the boot on. Then you saw him throwing balls before <laughs> games. And you're like, oh, my gosh. That, and then there was a report last week that yeah. he played scout team linebacker and intercepted a pass. Like, was it, you know, was it actual scout team linebacker or was it walkthrough and somebody just tossed him one? I don't, Like, I don't know, but the whole thing seems a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit like we got uh, – what do they call it? Fish hooked or uh, catfished? <laughs> catfished. We got catfished. We, we got catfished on that. Uh, where, where would you where would you place your optimism that because he said that next year is not going to be his last year of football that he plans on playing at least a couple more years? Do you share that same optimism? Yeah, I don't think there's any question that he is going to play again next year um, and the year I, after. I don't know about the year after, but I think I think next year for sure. And yeah. it'll be interesting. Obviously, you know, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to fix a few things that went wrong with the Jets. Defensively, they've been outstanding. Um, you know, offensive line wise has not been good, but you know, I mean, some of that there's there's a lot of blame to go around on that stuff. Like some of it is, you know, do you have a quarterback to take advantage, um, to take advantage of matchups and you know, and slow down an offensive line. There's a lot of, or excuse, excuse me, slow down a defensive pass rush and uh, all those different things and, and manage, you know, you know, get your in and out of checks and, and put yourself in the best position to, to exploit some of those weaknesses. So um, sometimes, sometimes a lack of quarterback play can manifest itself in a lot of, you know, poor offensive line play, poor running back play, poor wide receiver play because you don't have the right guy calling plays so or the right guy executing the play call. So um, they weren't good. There's no question about it. But I do think that you can get a lot better um, based upon who's playing quarterback, especially those five guys up front. Game that uh, we're looking forward to, uh, Tampa Bay and Jacksonville. So you've got a Tampa Bay team that seems to be ascending a Jacksonville team that really is struggling right now. And it just looks like Tampa might have that late speed to be able to win this division. I think you agree with me on that one. I guess my question is, do you look at Jacksonville as, as being in danger of coughing up their division lead? You've got Indy this weekend yeah, and and Indy's Indy's breathing down their neck. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think there's any question and I don't know if, um, Trevor Lawrence is going to play this week. If he's not, if he's healthy, um, a lot of questions about, you know, Trevor, he had the, the, the fumble that, I mean, you're just like, what, what, do you, what, what's going on there? So yeah, Jacksonville seems to be reeling a little bit. Uh, Indianapolis. Um, I like them, man. They're fast. They hit people. Um, they scramble around on defense. You know, they're probably not ranked very good in, in several categories, but boy, they play hard. They, they get to the quarterback They create sacks. They, you know, um, you know, Zaire Franklin, I think leads the league in tackles and, and they got, I think 13 different guys who have gotten to the quarterback, uh, you know, gotten a hit or a sack on the quarterback. So they've got, they've got some players, Mike. 
Um, and I could see them, I could see them right now. It's a three-way tie for first place. I believe in that division with Jacksonville, with Houston and with Indianapolis, but I could see Indianapolis coming out of this thing on top. Um, yeah, really, really interesting. I, you know, back to the Tampa thing, back to the Tampa thing early in the, I had them early in the season. Then I had Tampa following. of games where Tampa was the opponent. So I just broke down uh, a game against Atlanta, a game against uh, Carolina um, where Tampa was the opponent. So I've watched the last two weeks of, of Tampa playing and what, where they are now compared where they were early in the season, they are running the ball really well. They've got commitment to running the ball I think Dave Canales has done a good job of basically figuring out what they could do, what they could do well, and has really stuck to that. Um, and it's it's opened up some of the play action stuff. It's opened up some of the other things that they've married really well together. And then I'll just say this about Baker. Watching Baker Mayfield, there are some times when, like, you watch him and it's – I don't want to call it lackadaisical, but there is, you know, there's not – the same a sense of uh, like there's not as much accuracy. There's not as much. Uh, this is probably the wrong word, but urgency in the offense. And then when he's in critical moments, dude, he has been remarkable. End of the first half, end of the game, you know, critical third downs, like accuracy wise and, and timing wise and where he puts the ball has just been exceptional. Like you've seen, Baker Mayfield really kind of take this growth process, if you will. Um, And I don't think right now, I don't think there's any question that uh, in my mind that, that Tampa is the best team in the South. And they also happen to be in my mind, the hottest team in the South. And so I think they win that, that NFC South. I think they, I think they lock that division up and they're the uh, representative from the NFC South. So is Baker playing himself into being the long-term answer there in, in Tampa now? He's gonna is, play, yeah, he's going to play himself in, into getting an opportunity to make, mm-hmm. you know, for them to decide, could he be our guy going forward? Uh, I think the way he's played here recently, like I said, in the last three or four weeks, man, I think he's been really, really good. So, yeah, I, I think that uh, – I think Blake – you know, and this was supposed to be, remember, this was a Tom Brady's gone, Gronk is yep. gone, tear it down. You know, we're, we're way over the cap. We don't have the money, blah, 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 blah. Let's just get a gap piece quarterback in here who's been with three different teams. This is his fourth different team. Like, we're just going to survive the season, you know, see if we can, you know, you know, be respectable, develop some young players, and then see where it goes. And then all of a sudden they're like, hey, man, like, this cat's playing pretty well. And, yep. and when we support him correctly, you know, we, we got a chance to be decent. Yeah. I think they're going to, I think they're just getting they're. I think they're the best team in the South. And I think they're, they're kind of peaking at the right time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I don't know if you saw it. Dean Blandino, the head, uh, former head of officiating for the NFL, now a rules analyst on, uh, on Fox, came out and said that there have been more offensive offside penalties called this year than in the previous 11 years combined. Right. So there's been a clear, clear emphasis on calling it the most celebrated one, the Kadarius Tony during the Kansas city game. What we saw it here in Denver last week when they, they had a guard line up that uh, negated a touchdown. Uh, Blandino said that it's a result. It's a point of emphasis because of the Philly tush push. Right. Why? Why? Um, cause a lot of people are complaining about it. Um, you know, Jason Kelsey got called the other day for moving the ball up. Um, he moved it up a good foot or so, like every center grabs it and moves it a little bit. And, you know, and that's always been something it's funny cause I did a Philly game against Arizona and I did a Philly game against Washington and both of the coaches said, Hey, watch this is a point of emphasis. I have alerted both officiating crews that Jason Kelsey does this all the time. And, you know, he's cheating, essentially gaining six inches or eight inches of real estate on, you know, on third and one or fourth and one situations. And so this has been a, uh, you know, a point of emphasis, but um, I don't, I'm not like, I'm not sure why, like, like people are like, it's unfair and it's, it, nobody can defend it, mm-hmm. but nobody else seems to be able to run it the same. Right. And ultimately, you know, a lot of people want it, want, a lot of people want it banned. Right. But and the NFL is interesting that way. Like you can't pull a guy across the line of scrimmage, right. If you on offense, you can't pull a guy for, but you can push him. Right. Like, and, and so, right. but you can't do that on the defensive side. You can't, use one guy as a battering ram and push another guy through on short yard. Like, so if the defense lined up, Mike, and let's say, okay, we line up and our linebackers line up with their hands on the butt of the defensive lineman and they try to shove the defensive line, that would be a foul. You couldn't do that on the defensive, but yet you can do that on the offensive side. Right. So they've got some, I don't know. They just, there's some, Here's what it boils down to. Defensive players are dumb and we don't care about them. And offensive players are smart and we like them. That's basically, that's basically the theory behind the way the NFL operates. You ready for our picks? You uh, opened up a little bit of a distance on me last week. I I did. I went three and oh, you went uh, one and two. Yeah. Therefore I am, uh, I think I'm, I'm two and a half. Two yeah, and a half I got game a lead over me. Lead. I don't have I don't have it sitting in front of me, but I think I am uh I think I'm like 23 16 and one, and um you're not. So it's something of that nature. Let's say I'm much better than you, is what I'm trying to say. And it's pretty much 
if you'd like to concede, I'll, I will accept. No, I will. I will no. accept you waving the white flag and we can start over again. But no. you're okay. All right. You haven't clinched. You haven't clinched yet. So uh, keep talking there, big guy. All you right. go ahead. You go first. All right. Here's my, I will give you my picks. I've got the, the Bengals over the Steelers minus two. I'm taking the Bengals. We've got the Lions over Minnesota minus three, taking the Lions. And I'm taking the Rams over the Saints minus four. So uh, two, three, four is uh, is my spread there. So that there you go. That's that feels like a at least a two and one, maybe a three and zero. Oh. We don't know for sure yet, but that's where I'm going. Well, I'll counter by taking uh, the team that I'm always shocked if you don't if you don't pick them is that San Francisco. I'll take the 49ers on the road. I mean, at home. Uh, to continue to uh, dominate Baltimore. This is not a knock against Baltimore. I just think that this, this stage of the season going out on the road might be a little bit difficult uh, for them again. Uh, Cause what they were in Jacksonville last week and looked really mm-hmm. good going back out on the road again. I think eventually that catches up with you. So I'll take San Francisco minus the five and a half. I'll take Miami uh, in the battle of the underachievers. I'll take the uh, Dolphins minus one and a half against Dallas, and then I'll go with Chicago, uh, showing some some fight down the stretch here. I'll take the uh, Bears minus the four against uh, Arizona. All right, I like it. I love it. All right, we'll see exactly how that goes. That feels like one and two again for you. Oh, That's what it feels like, anyhow. Um, but I, I mean, I'm just telling you what I feel in my heart. Okay. Um, what yeah, your I'm loin? Not, what your loins are telling you? Yeah, I'm not rooting against you. I'm just telling you what I feel. Oh, of in my course heart. not. No, 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 you would never root against me. No. You would never root for bad things to happen to me. No, never, ever, ever. Never. All right. Hey, listen. Appreciate you, buddy. Appreciate all of you for listening. Please subscribe um, and, and share it, and uh, we will talk to you again next week. Thank you so much for everybody from the Skin Truth Podcast.